you need to put all of those attributes together and be able to, to make the deal happen. So as my boss once said, look, at the end, I give you a, a deal, you'll make it happen at the end. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Thank you for joining us on episode 279 with Ruby Chen, associate partner at Drake Star Partners and ex-head of Hyundai Ventures Israel. Ruby is a dealmaker with a proven track record in initiating, leading, and executing over 30 strategic transactions at global industry-leading companies. And joined to support tech geeks to disrupt conventional industries for over a decade, serving as a board member, board observer, and strategic advisor to multiple growth companies. Ruby Chen, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. Uh, good morning to me. Good evening uh, to you. How are you? I am doing fine. So hopefully, you know, from the name, you were not envisioning some sort of uh, Chinese uh, lady from Singapore. <laughs> uh, it is a bit misleading. So uh, I get that a lot when people you know, see me and, and expect to see uh, a female instead of maybe a Jewish kid from uh, New York City, which I am actually from. So, how, so what is the story behind the Chen? I haven't met many Jewish people from Brooklyn with the last name Chen. So it depends who asks. So, you know, if it is, you know, people that are close to me, so it is actually a abbreviation of a longer Jewish name. But I did have the opportunity when working at Amdocs, which is a uh, multinational company on the M&A team, we actually uh, acquired a company uh, in France that the main customer was China Mobile. Okay. So, you know, they needed to send somebody to China to explain that we will continue the commitments of the company and everything is good. So who did they send? They sent the Chinese guy. Of course. So, uh, of, I, course. of course, you know, we're supposed to meet some uh, Chinese executive from China Mobile. And when I walked in, he was like looking, wait a second, where's that Chinese lady that I was supposed to meet? So I invented some family out in China. Uh, it's a uh, not that much of a known fact, but during uh, World War II, as you know, the uh, most of the uh, borders were closed for Jewish people that wanted to exit uh, Europe, but actually one right. of the countries that did have their borders open was actually China. So there is really? actually a Chinese uh, Jewish community that, you know, that populated during World War II. So well, I made up some Chinese family and, you know, we, we, we ended up being far distant cousins and, you know, from there the deal went pretty well. I, I think I think that's phenomenal. That's a, a phenomenal story. Ruby, uh, we have a lot of things to talk about from uh, running uh, accelerators when they weren't necessarily cool, all the way to doing corporate venture capital, which is also a little bit of a new phenomena uh, that I've seen on the, on the crazy uprising in the past few years. But you actually, again, did that before it was cool. So I'm starting to see a pattern here of identifying trends. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to there's a lot for me to learn here. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? How do you get to 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 being director at, at these fantastic companies and then being on the wave of these great trends? Well, uh, to the young audience here, I uh, would have uh, liked to say that there was a, a plan and a scheme behind it, but it you know kind of happens by accident, right? Uh, more often than not. So, in my uh, personal case, uh, coming from uh, New York City and being native, you know, U.S. speaker, so 
being here in Israel, that was kind of like a unfair competitive advantage. So that's how I got into the high tech business to begin with. Uh, it started by uh, joining a uh, uh, semi governmental entity here in Israel that provided subsidized economic services to startups, meaning mm-hmm. writing the business plans and talking about marketing plans. So, you know, having that uh, uh, native English uh, backend, you know, kind of helped me get into that domain. And uh, I was working in an entity that had a lot of startups that we supported. And there I got to know a little bit of the ecosystem and, you know, talking to, to people and getting to understand that. And that's how I got into my first uh, gig, which was at a uh, venture capital firm here in Israel called uh, Stage One Ventures. Okay. It was a uh, $35 million fund. The main LPs was uh, Bezik, which is the Israeli uh, quad play right. telecommunication player. I didn't realize that they, invent, also, that they uh, have a, an arm into venture capital. This is so interesting. Hey, hey dude, I, I'm, I'm a bit ancient, so I'm talking about 20 years ago. So, you know, take everything in, in perspective. But uh, Unbelievable. Uh, it was uh, something that Bezik did at the past. And uh, the uh, idea of the uh, fund because it was a relatively small fund was to ask itself, okay, how do I maximize the the capital commitment that I have? And at that time, Israel uh, had, and still does, a uh, program of technology incubators, which Mm -hmm. at the time was owned and managed by the state of Israel. And, uh, you know, they came to the conclusion, the state of Israel, that managing an incubator isn't probably one of the core competencies of, of, of a of a state, and right. that's why they wanted to privatize it. And stage one. Now, what are we talking this, about? You know, what, what year? Talking about two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Wow, that's so un- that's unbelievable. Like about twenty years ago. Right. Time flies when you're having fun, man. <laughs> uh, so the idea was to to use those people that do not know about this program, it's a pretty innovative program that the state of Israel uh, created in the mid nineties when there was that large influx of Russian immigrants. And instead of just having these people do, you know, uh, low level uh, work because they did not know the language, the uh, uh, state wanted to utilize these people and be able to utilize the uh, technology capabilities that they have. So they created this uh, program Wow. That basically subsidized the first, you know, two years of R&D development that the state of Israel takes most of the risk associated with that. So wow. as a private investor, you put in $1 and the state gives you $4 back up to a budget of about $600,000, which is wow. good for about a year and a half. So what the evolution of the program was is that you had this large influx of, of Russians, but it was also open to other types of entrepreneurs as well, not only Russian immigrants. Uh, but as I uh, described previously, the state after a couple of years understood it would be better to move it to private hands. And that's when now, why, had, why is that? So why, what was, tell me a little bit about this, this transition because it, it's, a, it's a really interesting piece of the history. You know, today there must be, you know, dozens if not hundreds of incubators and accelerators just in, just in Israel, right? And just in Tel Aviv and not even counting those in Jerusalem and, and the different areas. What, what was that process like for the Israeli state, is the government, to run one of the first incubators to start that trend and then make that rational decision of, of moving it to private hands. 
Yeah, so I think the state of Israel was able to identify uh, pretty amazingly uh, uh, a market uh, inefficiency. Mm -hmm. And throughout the years of the program, even today, the way that the chief uh, innovation office of the state of Israel looks at it is to identify those market inefficiencies that evolve right. over the years. So at the beginning, saying, okay, look, this early stage uh, of investments, there's a gap here. So there are VCs that do investments, but they do not want to take that high level of risk. So how do I identify or create such a program that can uh, um, you know, deal with that inefficiency. And over the years, it has changed. So, uh, many years ago, you know, uh, the state of Israel identified that biotech is a bit underserved. So they created a program specifically for biotech companies. And, right. you know, and, and being always, uh, on top of things, trying to understand them over the years as uh, being a CEO of a technology incubator. Also in the uh, city of Tel Aviv, compared to maybe an incubator in the north of uh, Israel or the south, you can guess uh, I was on speed dial of many of the different delegations that were visiting here in Israel that tried sure. to uh, understand and duplicate this uh, program. And actually, we had the opportunity and many times actually to visit different uh, countries, uh, Europe, Asia, anything in between, saying, look, we want to try to duplicate this for our ecosystem. But the question is, which is a long conversation that we don't have time to, to go into today, is what is the special ingredients that enabled the Israeli ecosystem to uh, flourish and to uh, be right. what it is today, the startup nation? So that's a long conversation. But, uh, you know, anyone that, you know, wants to hear more about that, we can go into that into detail. So did the technology incubator thing at the beginning, uh, we were able to utilize Bezek and play with the Bezek labs, which means, you know, telecommunication, cybersecurity right. before that was cool as well. Different types of uh, technologies. Uh, Again, best, we're talking about 20 years uh, ago, right? Unbelievable. 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. So the best exit that we had actually was a company we put in $600,000, a company in the telecommunication authentication space that was uh, called uh, Traffics. Mm -hmm. Systems that was acquired by F5 for $130 million uh, wow. a few years after. So, you know, do do the math yourself. You understand, you know, from a $30 million fund, that sounds like a nice uh, return on on, uh, on investment. 100%. Uh, so did that for, for about four years. And then being able to uh, have experience of, of playing or being in interaction with a large corporate like Bezik to identify new investments, and utilize that, I was uh, recruited by a, uh, a New York Stock Exchange traded Israeli company called Amdocs, A-M-D-O-C-S, which is a, a pretty big company uh, in Israeli standards. Its right. uh, uh, market cap is about $12 billion today. They sell about uh, $5 billion uh, annually. So what they Crazy. do is they provide software uh, solutions for telecommunication and media companies. So think about the uh, uh, billing of your mobile phone from AT&T at the end of the month. That is being generated from a uh, Amdocs uh, billing system. When you call into a call center of a uh, Verizon, that also the back end, the software is a Amdoc system more, more often than not. And if you think about the network itself, you know, the 3G, 4G, 5G, all that software that manages the different networks is also managed by an Amdoc system. 
Wow. So Amdocs at the time also had a uh, open innovation program. And this is, again, talking 2007, 2008. Wow. And they had a, uh, a small team that uh, was supposed to interact with the Israeli ecosystem. And one program was to take a startup technology, combine it with a Amdoc solution, create a new offering, and then sell it to an AT&T or to a, a Verizon or T-Mobile. They had another small team that also uh, had the uh, uh, action item of when uh, having delegations such as AT&T or Vodafone visit is to uh, match between the uh, Israeli startups to uh, the requirements of the telecommunication company, working very closely with the sales teams of right. Amdocs to be able to identify missing gaps and to understand what the requirements are. So they were missing that small program to get some skin in the game. So saying, look, if we're helping these startups develop you know, these new technologies, products based on requirements, and we're also selling it for them, why not, why not also? have a venture program? Right. So that, is, that is what's called the CDC which is a corporate venture capital uh, program. So I was uh, given the task, okay, go figure it out and go create something. So today, when you think about CVCs, there are hundreds, if not thousands of programs like that within the Fortune 1000. I think maybe, you know, 80% of them have some sort of program like that. But, you know, go back about uh, 12 years ago, not that uh, common. So at the time, there wasn't too many people to... Uh, study and to try to duplicate uh, what can be done. So in Israel, we had uh, Cisco, which had a venture program. We had uh, Motorola, which also were one of the first ones, IBM, which have been here also for many years. But there weren't too many. So how do you uh, put together an investment charter? Meaning, okay, how do you invest and what do you invest? Who's the investment committee? Right. Uh, so typically you need to have a CFO because uh, she, she signs the check at the end of the day. But uh, you have you know, someone from product, you have somebody from sales. Do you create a fund with a dedicated uh, you know, uh, capital that is dedicated to investments or does it come out of the balance sheet? So all of these questions you know, were kind of open with, with, with me given the task wow. of go figure it out and come up with something. I would like to share one uh, antidote of, uh, of that process. Uh, the CEO of Amdocs at the time, his name was uh, Dov uh, Baharav. Uh, he, uh, of course, I wanted him on the investment committee. You always want the CEO <laughs> right. on the investment committee. But actually, he, he said something that, you know, had a lot of sense. And, you know, over the years, I even, you know, uh, believe it even more in what he had to say. Uh, he said, look, if I'm on the investment committee, Everybody else will wait to listen what I have to say and then make their decision. It would be better for you not to have me on the investment committee. And then, you know, you could have that open discussion that you're looking for to find, you know, those uh, hidden gems that might, you know, not, might not come onto our radar because it's not in, currently in, in high priority. But the intention of the program was indeed to find those types of uh, you know, companies that are up and coming that right. maybe at a corporate culture you might miss. So uh, started doing that, uh, made a lot of investments in the mobility space. The more famous ones is uh, in the mobile advertising space, a company called Amobi, 
mm-hmm. which was acquired by Singtel for $340 million. Wow. We invested in another company in Israel uh, that did mobile payment. Again, I'm talking about 2008, 2009, wow. uh, which was sold to Jamalville, the SIM manufacturer. We also had a company called Pontus that actually justified the model of a CVC, uh, meaning you invest in a company sometimes because you're not prepared to do the M&A yet. Uh, so you say, you know what, let me put some cash in. I get some uh, ability to influence the company. And also if there right. is an acquisition on the table, then I'm you know, able to manage that maybe more quickly and be able to, to act on that. So this company called Pontus, which we invested in in 2008, was eventually acquired by Amdocs, which kind of justifies the model right, of right. why to do a CVC sometimes. So what it sounds so to me is that the, the, the difference with CVC is that CVC is, is, you know, it is very similar to venture capital in the sense that you're, you know, you're buying equity into another business say, for various incentives, but you're introducing an, another layer of complexity, both because of the different interests that could arise. So when a regular VC invests, it's primarily for the financial returns, but when introducing a corporate venture capital fund, there's all, all, all sorts of incentives. One of those, for example, is to be able to influence the decision-making of a company, which could potentially at some point merge into yours, and you want to be able to either influence their technology, their roadmap, their financials, their other customers. So, so it's, it's, it sounds like it, it's very complicated, and I, and I think it's really inspiring that, that you got to be there and, and be really a pioneer uh, from what it sounds like uh, in a world where today, like you're mentioning, almost every uh, Fortune 1000 company has a, has a venture capital arm. Yeah, and it has evolved over the year. And this also could be a uh, one-on-one session of, of a CVC. So over the years, there have been developed different flavors of types of CVCs. So just going right. fast forward with myself, moving from Amdocs to another uh, corporate called uh, NICE, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is traded on the uh, NASDAQ. All right. market cap is about uh, $12 billion today. It's an enterprise software company that mm-hmm. captures unstructured data sets, uh, normalizes them, and finds insights. So it's a data analytics company where the main data source that they started was voice. Right. So again, think about large B2C organizations, uh, banks, telcos, media companies, uh, so when you call into one of those entities, you have that annoying message at the beginning that says this call is now being recorded right. for compliance issues. So eight out of 10 times in North America, that would be a nice system. Wow. And by capturing that actual data and being able to do speech to text, right. text analytics, emotion detection, next best action for the call agent itself, there's a lot of value that is hidden in that. So at that entity as well, I was at the Corp Dev team doing mm-hmm. uh, ventures and M&As. And the last two years, I actually uh, established and led the uh, Hyundai uh, motor company wow. uh, venture activities here in Tel Aviv. So I've been doing CVCs for uh, 12 years. So Amazing. there's a lot to be said and to be you know discussed about you know if you're a young guy that wants to get into that space you know i could be glad you know give me a call you know look me up i'll be glad to share some of the insights and wonderful some of the things that i've gone through 
Oh, Wonderful. Yes. No, Ruby, it sounds like there's, you know, there's more hours and more of content that we could, that we could uh, talk about that would be fascinating, whether it's, you know, the Israeli ecosystem and, and watching it from the, from the roots of it, you know, 20 years ago um, with Bezik or, and then moving on to CVCs and seeing where that trend is going today to talking about mobility and enterprise software. There, there's endless more that we could discuss, but unfortunately, you know, we do have only 20 minutes. So I have to ask you the last and most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice question to ask. Uh, I would start with uh, curious. So yeah. starting from telecom and then doing enterprise software and then auto tech. So I guess I'm just waiting for that corporate that's in the biotech space. So I could feel that I've you know checked all the boxes. Uh, a deal maker. Yeah. So one of my previous bosses said, and this is again maybe something to the uh, younger audience. Uh, how do you become the best deal maker? So as my right. boss once said to me in a larger audience, it's not because I'm the guy that knows how to build the best Excel right. for the financial model. It's not being the best technology guy that knows how to you know, understand and, and, and understand the technology benefit. It's not the HR side, which is also highly you know, appreciated at the end because it's a people thing if you acquire a company. Are you investing in a company? It's a people business. Right. But you need to put all of those attributes together and be able to, to make the deal happen. So as my boss once said, look, at the end, I give you a, a deal, you'll make it happen at the end. And I think right. you know, that's a very nice compliment to have and also you know, for those young people to think about that as well. Uh, so uh, last but not least, uh, I think Connected. So yeah. being part of this ecosystem, not only the Israeli ecosystem, but the corporate venture capital ecosystem for the last 20 years, you get to know people. And at the end, you know, you have that uh, uh, ability to, to be familiar with people over the years. And then when you do come to them and come with ideas and want to collaborate, you know, based on that reputation that you're able to build uh, for yourself over the years that, you know, it's something that's very hard to establish uh, and it's right. very easy to lose. So you need to be very you know, diligent, you know, on those types of approaches and who do you approach and when. So you know, being that connector, I think also something that is highly uh, important to, to, to think about as well. And now we have the Dubai uh, ecosystem as well that Michael, you just came back from that you, right. know, you could say a word or two about building bridges and being a guy that could connect between the dots is something that, Right. It's a skill set that, you know, I think Bill is required today. And I think that one of the, one of the most, uh, and like you mentioned, I just literally uh, 12 hours ago got back from Dubai. This will be shared with our audience a few, in a few weeks, but uh, just uh, got off the flight recently. And, and I think one of the things that fascinated me, me most was uh, understanding cultural differences and really opening ourselves up to a whole new world where, you know, business is important, but uh, uh, connections and, and human to human connections and trust is at the forefront of these business endeavors. And I think that that is something that I was very inspired by this week. I got so used to, you know, the Western way of, of, of doing business and talking to each other and forming relationships. It's very different over there. And, and I, I'm just starting to learn how to do it. And I can't, and, I, and I'm, I'm 100% sure that, you know, Dubai and, and that part of the world is going to be a major part of my, of my professional life and probably that of many people in Israel and the U.S. So I think that we, we need to start from the culture 
Uh, but I definitely take to heart what uh, you know the insights from this talk. And, and Ruby, I, I really want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. Thank you for the inspiration. And, and I have a feeling we're going to have to do a few more episodes to really capture some of those other insights that you were talking about. Yeah, we'll be glad to uh, share, you know, my insights. So any of the young guys out there listening or ladies, uh, please Wonderful. feel uh, free to reach out. We'll be glad to share. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ruby. Take care.